White tears are very powerful and are a motivator for people to defend you and to protect you and to come to your aid, to punish whoever offended you. Black Ant, a candid conversation about racism, white people, and ways to move forward. I'm April. And I'm Jonathan. We're brother and sister, looking to discuss how race informs important issues, current events, and what white people looking to make a difference can do. April, what's going on? John, a lot's going on, obviously, all the time. But today, I want to talk to you and pick your brain and talk with our listeners about social media and particularly about what's called performative activism. And it's it's something that I think a lot of our, our listeners will be familiar with. But I, I wanted to talk about it today because it's such an easy sort of trap to fall into. And I think it's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people, myself included, can relate to and sort of to see in themselves and do better. So uh, this week... <laughs> Full disclosure, John, I, I got into the the like TikTok drama uh, of the week um, and it was oh God. fascinating. It was so I don't know if, if if you sort of you're not as cool as me, so I don't even know if you're on TikTok, but there's okay, been hold, on, like, okay. hold up, hold up, hold up. First of all, I'm sorry. What? Can't just be whatever. Just go ahead. Go ahead. People know. Anyway, so this week on TikTok, there was lots of drama between two very high profile, you know, social media or like hashtag activists, um, as folks call them, Chelsea Hart and Modern Warrior. Um, and Modern Warrior's name is is Lance. So, it, you know, it was both of them have uh, over a million followers on different platforms, but TikTok in particular, and both post very... Uh, Intense, sometimes comical, very uh, uh, progressive posts that are call outs to racism or misogyny or appropriate behavior. Chelsea, uh, they're a stand up comedian. um, And so sometimes their posts are in this like persona um, with a little accent and and, then they're hilarious. And Modern Warrior, on the other hand, um, is a, a, a native man and his posts are very serious and very he's known for calling people colonizers, white folks colonizers and that like and, and a lot of his posts are about, you know, um, discrimination, racism toward Native Americans um, and uh, and people using red face and, and things like that. So, you know, on, on the whole, we would we call those people activists um, and, and to a certain extent they are. They, I'm, I'm sure they affect change and I'm sure they make a pos- a, a real positive impact on people um, and do a lot of education work. They're, um, they're teaching um, as well as entertaining on social media. And so the, the, the drama this week and what made me sort of want to talk about performative activism is that we, we got into the weeds with them and, you know, find mm. out about a, a personal uh partnerships, romantic relationship that is alleged to have, uh, you know, occurred between them, Chelsea, uh, between these two people, between these yeah, two between activists Chelsea and Lance. Um, Ooh, okay. and so they, 
you know, it, it's obviously very public. They're posting about it. Chelsea's posting their perspective of of Lance, you know, violating them sexually by not disclosing that they were seeing other people, that Lance was seeing other people while oh, also see. seeing Chelsea. Um, and so it it caused this just big uproar on on TikTok. And what I think the, I know where this is going. I'm already yeah. nervous. Well, and and so the I'm assuming Chelsea's is, white. Che- oh, Chelsea's white. Um, Chelsea is a white person who, uh, it it sounds odd, but it it very much acknowledges their, their whiteness, um, and speaks, uh, to racism. So, you know, next up, what we see, uh, with this drama are other TikTok influencers weighing in and giving their opinion. And one of the, the sort of, uh, most highlighted, uh, instances was when, Auntie Karen, Auntie Kaya, as we call her on TikTok, a uh, black woman who is is also an activism on the platform and makes videos about racism and education and and feminism um, and uh, and calling definitely calling people out. She is ready to to rumble and and throw hands when needed uh, and when people need to, a quick uh, hard lesson learned. Right, is providing it. And so Auntie Karen weighs in. Uh, showing support for Chelsea, and she actually calls uh, Lance a sexual predator. Um, oh, and, okay. And something to the effect of him being on like the sexual uh, sex offenders list. And just so I'm clear, the the issue that is being um, that is being discussed is his uh, lying to them about being in a relate, be, seeing other people. Yes. Yes. So Lance was open to a polyamorous relationship. Chelsea was not and said, I'm not open to this. Got it. Okay. And uh, Lance did not communicate to Chelsea that he was going with it anyway. I'm doing it anyway. Right. uh, According to, according to Chelsea. And so, so that deception denying Chelsea, their uh, informed consent when they're, when they have an intimate relationship, Auntie Karen frames that situation as Chelsea describes it as sexual assault and goes a step further in calling Lance a sex offender. And so that of course, you know, uh, throws another people off and yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's this ongoing drama. So long story longer, Turns out, apparently, Chelsea was lying about uh, some of this stuff or maybe exaggerating or, uh, you know, the facts weren't all there. Um, There were some Mm -hmm. other things that she maybe left out. Eh, Just wasn't. And their videos, John, go back and watch some of them. They're, quote, crying, but there are no tears. Um, Interesting. Very... a lot of what we've seen ingenuous and very, and like you hate to call someone out like that because it's like damn this person's been violated but like but the then you're like you're talking right. about it is very odd and Chelsea is a white femme presenting person and so society likely treats them as a white woman um at, and so they're, they're they reap the benefits and the responsibility that comes with with uh, being a white woman. Um, and Lance, on the other hand, is a native man, um, and, and so their experiences couldn't be more different. Both activists on the platform now in conflict. Mm. And so, you, you know, the TikTok gets to see firsthand 
how someone, an activist, and in Chelsea's instance, a white person responds to, hold on. Is it, should we call her a, a white feminist? We'll yeah. Call them white feminist? Yeah. White feminism, calling that out as a term. So both activists, Lance primarily for native rights and discrimination and, and Chelsea as a, a white feminist, we get to see how Chelsea in particular responds to their racism and their lack of understanding of their own privilege and and, and power, how they respond to criticism. And you really get a firsthand test at their activism practicing what they preach, criticizing people and, and, and changing behavior. And on top of that, John, another factor here is because of Lance's very out, you know, outspoken posts um, and he, he very uh, directly calls out racism anytime he sees it. And his use of, of, of calling white folks colonizers has pissed people off royally. It of course. Folks yeah. So angry, he gets the the most intense reaction from white people when when he does that. It's 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 almost comical if it weren't so scary. And so he has he gets serious threats uh, from from white supremacists and from Nazis who will do him harm. And so the the other aspect of that, or what makes Chelsea's behavior, or or at least perceived you know behavior, so problematic is Chelsea's criticism of Lance has the power to physically harm him, mm-hmm. to put him in, in physical danger of mm-hmm. violence mm-hmm. Um, by people who understand and live in a society that is designed to protect white femme-presenting people from black and brown men like Lance. And so it's a complicated conversation. Very interesting. You really get to... Um, you get to see how hard it is to be an activist and to uh, understand how deeply rooted in each of us as an individual racism is and how mm-hmm. we, we we play a role in that ourselves every day. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm making I'm making tons of assumptions about these people. I do not know them. And, and, and who knows what of this is true and who knows what. But that doesn't really matter. The, what matters is what we see. And we see a, a person like Chelsea and a person like Lance, the violence that is directed at Lance as a response to Chelsea's accusations or criticism. And unfortunately, when called out by those things, when Chelsea's <laughs> called out, particularly by Black people um, and Black TikTok, you you see them just digging in their heels of and because goes even deeper they they put out content that it makes what is described as a really horrible shitty situation almost comical because of how dramatized it is and and right. how oh yeah it it it's it's very strange yeah what were you gonna say okay april let's pause let's take a break i need wine this is like a lot to take in and when we come back i want i want to ask you a few things all right we'll be back okay we are back i went with a malbec it's red wine thursday which is when we're recording this um april what do you what enters your mind when you see when you come across a TikTok like Chelsea's 
without knowing any of the background, you see this femme-presenting white person talking about being aggrieved by this native man who's a man within the patriarchy. What's your first impression? You know, it's, you can't help but be skeptical. And that's such a hard thing to say as a woman, because you want to only lift up other, other femmes and other women. And you want to, yeah, you want to be on the same team. But because race exists and racism is the way in which we define ourselves, you can't, Chelsea doesn't get to just be a white person. It's important that they're femme presenting because with that, they get a lot more, a lot more power um, and, and a lot more dangerous. Mm. When I see uh, someone who looks like Chelsea crying on, on social media, I think, oh God, who is the, per- who's the, who's the other person <laughs> right. involved? Because they're right. about to get the whole way got. They're about to catch hell, right? Yeah, right. not because of what they did, but because of who Chelsea is. So we just have to be smart and we have to be critical. And white people have to be humble. Activists mm. have to be humble. And so the, the performative piece comes to light when you see Chelsea being criticized for using their white tears on social media, uh, whether it's purposeful or not, to the effect that this brown man is, is being harmed or at least right. threatened with violence. And you see Chelsea just digging in their heels to that criticism. And so, you know, when their activism is tested, they can't rise to the occasion and they can't practice what they preach. And so it makes you question or it makes you lose respect. And it frustrates you even more because they have such a big platform and they have so much potential because they make an impact. You know, those are the types of people you want to you want to see them tried and tested like this. And you want to see them rise to the occasion and say, shit. All right. TikTok, I fucked that up. I messed this up. Right. 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 Thank you for teaching me and moving on. To me, April, this is a lesson in intersectionality as much as it is performativeness. And so intersectionality in the way that that race and sex, gender play, uh, sort of intersect here are the reason why Chelsea's tears are problematic. There were literally laws in our country put in place to protect white women from black and brown men. We, Our government just passed the Federal Anti-Lynching Act. Finally, lynching is a federal crime. I think back to Emmett Till, the white woman, Carolyn Bryant, involved in that case. It was because he's a black man, boy, and this is a white woman, that she could get him killed. So bearing in mind that history, Chelsea, Mm -hmm. as a femme-presenting white person and a a brown man that you are blasting to your millions of followers, rightfully so, because sexism, patriarchy, feminist education, and 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 content for for activists, but you do yourself a disservice to not situate yourself within the intersectional context that that you that you inherently sort of exist in as yeah. folks with these identities. And it's definitely not, you know, I don't want folks to get it twisted. It's not silence women because they're white. It's not don't speak your truth. It is acknowledging and being able to understand that someone like Chelsea, their words carry so much power and authority that is basically a weapon. And it's one thing to speak your truth and to share your story. And it's another thing to to put someone's life on the line when you're not being honest about the experience. Well, and it's incumbent upon white people. So this is, we are, this is an anti-racism podcast. White people have to remember 
that they're white in the context of all of their interactions with people who are not white, particularly with people who experience racism. And so I I so feel for Chelsea because it's difficult to be aggrieved and express very real problems across difference. It is incumbent upon people like Chelsea to situate history, situate uh, sort of them, I should say themselves within history and what we're all fighting for. Another aspect of this was Chelsea's response to Black folks calling mm-hmm. out the danger that they put Lance in by, you know, by airing the shit out in public. That Chelsea um, put Lance in, yes. Yes. And so one of the, the bigger issues here was Chelsea then coming back to say, please, no one do Lance any harm. I don't want him to be hurt in any way. You know, you're hurting him or you're, you know, supporting violence against him. You're not supportive of me, which on its face looks like a very supportive statement. Right. But Chelsea, do you mean that? Because if you did, you would have understood that you simply getting on social media and crying about something awful that he did to you puts him in threat of violence. Because you have a gazillion followers. And because your white tears are very powerful and are right. a motivator for people to defend you and to protect you and to come to your aid and to punish whoever offended you. It's what makes a Karen a Karen. It's exactly. that screaming in public that makes everyone freak out and come to your aid exactly. at, the, at the sort of to the detriment of everyone else around you. Exactly. Um, and so seeing Chelsea then say, don't harm him. I don't want anything bad to happen to him is disingenuous. Right. Well, I hope it hasn't already. Right. <laughs> exactly. If you were practicing what you preached as an activist, you would only post these things about him and speak your truth. If right. You're OK, with putting him in danger. You can't deny the inherent sort of weaponization of your tears and of your of your criticism. And that's hard. That's a that's a that's a serious conflict to to understand um, and to understand your sort of position there. But it's really important because when we're talking about performative activism, because of folks impact, the impact that they have on generations, um, on on different platforms and the reach that people have with millions of followers. So when they when they don't rise to the level, when they don't practice what they preach, and when you find out that a couple pokes and it all falls through the cracks, then what? You know what this reminds me of, April? The folks who had these wholesale brands of activism online and live relatively uh, racially segregated racist lives and i'll say this about a segregated life chelsea's from alaska right so so exactly and wow so so what a what a relationship with the native population right so yeah so right so that's it that's exactly what i mean so let's let's take a break let's and then we'll come right back and wrap it up Okay, we're back. So before we took a break, John, I I threw in there that Chelsea is actually from Alaska. So you were talking about right. folks with these big platforms, activists on uh, on social media, looking at their 
public image and then looking at their private lives, you know, being highly segregated or even just straight up racist. I think it's important to note that social media is an easy place to see performative activism in the works. But there are so many other instances where we see folks, yeah, more worried about, you know, how many likes they get on their, you know, Black Lives Matter poster in their window and less worried about actually impacting the system in some way. We talk about this all the time. I live in a white neighborhood in Philly. Black Lives Matter signs all Mm -hmm. in, I'm talking about almost every window. They are like the most liberal of liberal, right? That's why whenever people bring in politics, when we talk about race, it's like not relevant to me. Voting the right way every time, give me that weird, awkward, hi, black man, smile Mm -hmm. every time, have Black Lives Matter signs in their windows, but we, I'm the only black person in this whole neighborhood. Mm Mm-hmm. You live in a racially segregated neighborhood, intentionally so. And that's just normal. That's normal. That's your norm. Tell me how Black Lives Matter in a white neighborhood. It's a reminder to, the same with Chelsea, situate yourself within the larger context that you're in. My neighbors, I'm talking about with a Black Lives Matter sign in your window, and you live in this historic area of Philadelphia, literally James Madison's house is two blocks away from where I live, where he when he lived in Philadelphia. And so, like, you need to know what that means. And you need to know that Dolly Madison, known for her wild parties, dinner parties that she would throw, those were slaves helping her, you know? And so, so you live in that neighborhood right now that is still, his, that is historically, that's what's happened here and in Philadelphia. And you are a white person in the upper 10% of your of society in terms of income and you put a black lives matter sign in your window and that's your way to show that you care this is a conversation about yeah intersectionality and performativeness and and um white people being sort of vigilant when we say at the end our cute little thing at the end stay vigilant and keep asking questions be vigilant, Chelsea. And so I want to give our, our listeners, I don't want folks to feel like you can't have a TikTok and you can't, you know, speak truth to power on social media and you can't participate. Of course you can. But I would remind our, our listeners of one of our FTRs. Go back to episode one and particularly focus on the one about listening. And, you know, when white folks engage in conversations with non-white people about racism, and white supremacy, white folks' first instinct should be to listen, to be the listener in the conversation and and to to hear what your black peers are telling you or teaching you about racism and about yourself. You know, an additional thing for folks, I think, to remember is that Moving in silence and covert activism as opposed to overt activism, it has its benefits and is also effective, meaning you don't always have to tell folks what you're doing. You don't always have to post where you donated and how much you gave or where you were protesting with your coworkers or whatever. It's okay to do stuff on your own and just know that you did it and the impact that you made. Um, and it's, it, and in fact, it's, that stuff is particularly important um, to hold yourself accountable in, in your work and in, in your, uh, in your commitment 
I would say unless you publicizing the work you're doing is going to have a direct exponential effect on other folks and you're explicitly teaching people, then don't share it. That's real talk. Quit it. Cut it out. Scat cat. Knock it off. Get out of town. Take a bus. Okay. All right. That's it. So hold on. Going for a break. Coming right back. After night when we come back. Okay, and we're back. So, John, you said you have an action item for us. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, uh, we're talking about uh, social media sort of implicitly in this episode. The action item is transform a social media platform that you use for some purpose to an anti-racist one. Take your take your Instagram account and make that change in your life. It is now a place where you post anti-racist material. The response would be, well, I just don't post that stuff there. I post that stuff in other places. Think of the impact it'll make when you do, because people know that about you. People know that for the last 10 years, your Instagram account has just been your puppies. All of a sudden, something is so serious to you that you're gonna change your whole platform. And that's what your Instagram is gonna be known for. That's your action item. Black Hand is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Black Hand was produced by April Perkins. Our theme music is by Fifth Child. You can find more of their music at fifthchildmusic.com. That's the number five, fifthchildmusic.com. And until next time, be humble, be vigilant, and and keep keep asking asking questions. questions.